0: Section 34 of Criminal Investigation, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Criminal Investigation A Practical Handbook for Magistrates, Police Officers, and Lawyers, Volume 1, by Hans Gross. Translated by John Adam and John Collier Adam. The expert and how to make use of him continued. Section six. Experts in mineralogy, zoology, and botany. Experts in mineralogy and zoology are but little consulted by the investigating officer. The former is only utilized for the examination of minerals and to establish their particular properties or he aids the microscopist when, for example, it is necessary to determine the nature of a mineral so as to deduce therefrom the origin of dust, dirt, or stains, etc. And indeed these are often important points for elucidation. The role of the zoologist is scarcely more extended. He can determine the nature and origin of animal wool, assist in forming a judgment upon blood globules, determine the functions of certain animals, tell us what they are capable of doing and producing, give us information concerning poisons proceeding from animals, aid the medical man in many histological, anatomical, and physiological cases, and thus complement the latter's knowledge. We must repeat that nowhere is there greater danger than when we neglect to call in the expert and ourselves dabble in the matter. No doubt the layman who observes closely will discover something and form correct conclusions, but the true working insight is only to be obtained and judged by the expert. The zoologist finds important employment when the question arises of how long a man lying in the open has been dead, under what conditions animal life of various sorts, especially insects, appear at different times upon every corpse. If the death does not take place in the cold part of the year, certain flies at once appear, somewhat latter certain beetles, etc. are found, until at last, sometimes after many months, certain animals bring about the final work of destruction of the non-osseous parts. In such circumstances, zoologists can often afford important and reliable information. Finally, some known attributes of animals are of importance. It is only necessary to consider this and consult a zoologist. So once in a certain case it was desired to know how many hours a drunken man had lain in water. At first it was said that he could only have been there one or two hours, because in his clothes live fleas were still found. On account of the importance of the case, inquiries were made, and it was discovered that fleas can live as long as sixteen hours under water. Flies, spiders, caterpillars, etc. die much more quickly under water. It is for the botanist to play the greatest role. He can indicate poisonous or abortive plants, discovering the smallest pieces. He can determine the nature of powdered substances composed of plants, seeds, and fruits. He can study the juices of these plants and the preparations made therefrom. These indications are often important, especially when such vegetable matter is discovered in a house search or upon the person or in the stomach and intestines of deceased persons or in the matter vomited or passed by them it must not be forgotten that the smallest atom of leaf the most minute piece of bark or fibre suffices for the botanist to recognize the entire plant it is often of equally great interest to know how to determine the nature and origin of a piece of wood with the assistance of a small piece which has been found, when, for example, it is desired to indicate whether a splinter of wood comes from a weapon, instrument, utensil, post or living tree, etc., or when the nature of the piece of wood may tell us the locality where a certain person or object is to be found, the place whence it has come, and the objects with which it has been in contact the botanist is also sometimes able to tell the age of an injury to a living plant its aspect before healing up the way in which it has been made and the instrument employed he may be able to tell us the force which must have been used to produce on a piece of dead wood such and such a mutilation or change the time when a leaf or a fruit must have been damaged for example by a shot from a firearm the place of origin of certain pieces of plant, etc., the shape of an instrument which has produced such and such a cut or mark on a piece of wood, discovery of the traces of a clean cut by a knife demonstrating the absence of a toothed saw. The intervention of the botanist may be of special importance in obtaining information regarding certain textile fibres. For example, in determining the nature of the fibre, flax, hemp, jute, cotton, in identifying threads and parts of threads, twine, ordinary thread, etc., in studying the effect of certain liquids, paints, acids, or alkalis, etc., upon vegetable fibers, change in shape, length, color, and aspect, in determining the age of textile fibers, and the place where they have remained, including such questions as the age of a cord, whether a piece of string has been for a long time in the water, whether a piece of linen cloth has been exposed to great heat, or whether some cotton stuff has been buried. A whole series of questions are connected with the chemical and physical properties of vegetable matter. In these cases, the botanist should work with the microscopist, the chemist, and the physicist. Such questions are the absorption of gas, odor, and fumes by vegetable fibers, the explosive properties of flax, hemp, and jute dust, the spontaneous combustion of vegetable fibers impregnated with oil, tow, flax, thread, engineer's waste, etc., the hidden combustion of ignited fibers, saltpeter treatment, the duration and certainty of the combustion of materials composing wicks, arson, explosions the dangerous combustible properties of celluloid, the spontaneous combustion of damp hay, newly carbonized paper, or vegetable carbon, the proof of the existence of the juice of plants upon metals, for example, on a knife which has been used to cut fresh plants or fruit, or upon garments, for example, stains made by grass upon coats, and the age and the origin of such stains it is permissible to assert that the botanist may come to our assistance in the most difficult, important, and interesting cases. Section 7. The Expert in Firearms As indicated above, the examination of firearms requires, more than anything else, the assistance of a whole series of different experts. As a rule, only a gunsmith is called in, but this the author considers a mistake nowadays local gunsmiths no longer exist as in former times they are as rare as the local clockmakers of old for both the local gunsmith and clockmaker sell instruments they have received ready-made from the factory at the most they have only placed the various parts of the instrument together and know how to do certain repairs the firearm and the watch are made only in the factory and the merchant or shopkeeper cannot be expected to understand in a special manner their interior mechanism even when dealing with a gunsmith who knows his trade we find his knowledge restricted in most cases to being able to indicate the origin and the price of the weapon the names of its different parts and other mechanical details which it must be confessed will have in most cases a certain value But he will not be able to say much regarding the use to which the instrument may be put the effects which it is capable of producing the connection existing between the arm itself and the bullet employed besides numerous other questions of capital importance recourse must therefore be had to the experienced sportsman the medical man the inspector of musketry the physicist the chemist and the microscopist in many other cases moreover where the question is to determine the effect of a bullet on different substances, yet other experts who are conversant with these substances must be questioned. In many cases, experts consulted by the author have been unable to give a satisfactory reply, when an ordinary workman has answered without hesitation. The dresser of stone can tell us the resistance of the various kinds of stone, the locksmith can explain to us how a certain effect has been produced upon iron, and the botanist can indicate with accuracy the time and the season at which a bullet has struck a living tree and lodged in the wood. As regards the practical method of procedure in examining experts, care must be taken not to allow the different experts to make their experiments at the same time and give their advice together the investigating officer who is directing the inquiry easily loses a concise view of the case when one expert draws conclusions from one side and another from the other side it is difficult to understand the work of each and it is impossible to reconcile the different statements and the conclusions given upon the whole he must therefore before all obtain a clear idea of how the various experts are best to be consulted and arrange to question, after the others, those experts who with their experiments destroy in part the documents and material objects at his disposal. Once the experiments are made and the reports sent in, the investigating officer will be able, following the case and the results of the reports, to bring the experts together, either all at once or in several categories, in this way he will perhaps find the agreement or the explanation of doubtful questions or questions resolved in different ways when the experts are already a courant with the matter and know what they have to reply they will agree together much more readily than if they have been allowed to work together from the outset this method of procedure has yet another advantage important corpora delicti serving as objects of conviction are less exposed to being lost or injured when they are sent but to one or two experts at a time, instead of in the space of a quarter of an hour being passed through a great number of hands. Besides examination regarding the origin of a firearm, the effects produced thereby, the mode of its employment and its connection with such and such bullets, etc., questions relating to the science of arms, properly so called, and besides those questions which it is within the province of the medical jurisprudent to decide there are yet other examinations of decisive effect which are within the competence of the chemist suppose for example it is desired to establish whether a bullet has been taken from a stock of bullets found upon a suspected individual it will certainly not suffice to establish that it is of the same size, the same shape, the same calibre and the same weight as the others. It is also necessary to prove that their chemical composition is identical. Pure lead is but rarely employed for the making of bullets, tin, zinc, antimony, bismuth and arsenic being mixed therewith, even traces of silver may be found, If then the quantitative analysis of the chemist shows that the alloy is the same in both cases, this will be a decisive proof of identity. This examination may also be of great interest in many other cases. If, for example, we have the firearm of the suspected individual and a bullet, and if the weapon be coated with fresh lead inside, it is for the chemist to withdraw this lead from the barrel and analyze it as he has analyzed the bullet. If, then, the analysis of the bullet corresponds with that of the lead in the firearm, it may reasonably be presumed that that particular bullet has been fired from that particular firearm, especially if the composition of the lead is uncommon or contains an abnormal proportion of some other element. Even when it is impossible to make these two analyses and compare the results, as, for instance, when we possess only the bullet it is well to submit the latter to chemical examination. This may furnish the proof of a composition but little used, which, in default of other clues, may perhaps afford some indication regarding the author of the crime. If the bullet has not been manufactured by the man himself, but has been made in some factory, its chemical composition may very well lead to the discovery of its place of manufacture, for in this industry the same alloy is not everywhere employed finally in certain circumstances there may be traces of powder upon the bullet which chemically analyzed are capable of giving an indication regarding the explosive which has been used such traces sometimes remain upon a bullet even when it is lodged in the human body they are clearly distinguishable upon the French bullet which the author's grandfather carried behind his eye for forty-six years, from 1799 to 1845, and which was only extracted after his death. Chemical analysis may be of the greatest importance when it is desired to know when or how long before a certain firearm has been fired the investigating officer does not naturally have to deal with the manner in which such an examination must be made an examination which however is very curious in that it can only indicate whether the weapon has been fired off a very short time before the mofussil investigating officer would therefore be very much behind time if he thought of sending the firearm to the capital for this analysis Sonnenschein and Clausen, in their handbook of legal chemistry, indicate the following process. It is so simple that it may be employed, if necessary, even in the country by any doctor or hospital assistant, and frequently brings to light decisive results. It is true that this process can only be employed if the explosive has consisted of the ordinary powder, which still remains in common use. The firearm in question must be withdrawn as soon as possible from the action of the air. For this purpose, the barrel is hermetically corked, and the breech wrapped up in cloth. The examination must be carried out as soon as possible. First, the discharged barrel is rinsed with distilled water, and the solution obtained, filtered, and examined for sulfuric acid with barium chloride, alkaline sulfides with salts of lead, and salts of iron, with ferrocyanide of potassium. Let us presume that the barrel is dark brown, contains neither rust nor green crystals of ferrous sulphate, and that the solution is light yellow in colour, smells of sulphuretted hydrogen, and with salts of lead gives a black precipitate. It follows that the firearm must have been fired within two hours, if the colour is clearer still and there is neither rust nor crystals but traces of sulphuric acid are discovered more than two hours but less than twenty-four hours must have passed since the moment the weapon was fired if the barrel has numerous stains of oxide of iron and the reagent proves the existence of iron in the water the weapon has been fired at least twenty-four hours before and at most within five days If the oxide of iron is in large quantity but no iron salts are found in the solution at least ten days and at most fifty days have elapsed if the firearm after having been fired has been immediately reloaded without having been cleaned the cylindrical portion of the pull through or the cleaning rod has a dark gray color during the first four days and during the following days it is a yellowish gray and the water contains distinct traces of sulphuric acid. If the weapon has been cleaned before being loaded the second time, the color is light red or yellow ochre during the first two days, during the following days becomes dark red, and after twelve to fifteen days becomes and remains gray. The powder will have a light red color owing to the oxide of iron attaching thereto, and the reagent will show no signs of sulphuric acid if the firearm has been reloaded immediately after firing the colour will be green but will quickly attain that described above if the barrel be rinsed with lime-water red colouring will also be noticed finally if the wad is of paper containing alum or plaster and the reagent shows the presence of sulphuric acid in the water with which the wad is washed it proves nothing In all cases, we also recommend the examination of the bullet with a magnifying glass. Information is then obtained about the number, pitch, shape, and depth of the rifling, the substance and structure of the wad which has left traces upon the lead, upon the manner in which the muzzle-loader has been loaded, and upon many other points of importance. End of section 34